Hey, this is John Morgan. I'm the lead pastor here at Word of Life Church in the nation's capital. I want to personally thank you for taking time out to listen to our podcast today. It's our prayer that you're inspired and that your life is changed for the better while listening. So go ahead, enjoy today's message. Ephesians chapter 1. I'd love it if you go to Ephesians chapter 1 with me. Ephesians chapter 1. I'm going to read from verse 15. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 15. Paul's writing. For this reason, because I've heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of Him. Having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which He has called you. What are the riches of His glorious inheritance in the saints? And what is the immeasurable greatness of His power towards us who believe according to the working of His great might? I want to preach a message today. Uh, that I've entitled Starbucks Lovers. It's not necessarily an endorsement of the brand. I definitely endorse caffeine, but it's not an endorsement of the brand, just a message title, but uh, we're gonna get into that today. But before we do that, let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word today. We thank you that it's alive and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, able to get into our life and penetrate, bring supernatural change from the inside out. We thank you that you'd work with me today to give me a prophetic edge to speak into the fabric of those that are here in person and those that are online. We pray, God, that you give people an ear to hear, Holy Spirit, what you would say to them individually. God, what you would say to us collectively as your church. We pray in Jesus' name. And everyone said, I don't know if you've ever had this situation where you were absolutely convinced without any shadow of a doubt that you were correct, only to find out you were horribly wrong. Anybody ever had that moment? Give me a wave of your hand. There's only five of you, few of you, few of you like, I'm never wrong. Some years ago, uh, I spent some time with my daughter. My, my, my dad, uh, my, I, my, my dad passed a couple of years ago. My dad was loving and caring, so I had a great role model of a loving and caring father, so I, hopefully that's overflowed to my children. But, um, but one thing I would say about my dad, there was never once as a teenager that I looked at my dad and thought that he was cool. He always was a bit not, anyway. And so then I became a dad and I'm like, well, I don't want my daughters to think I'm uncool. I want to I be, be a cool dad. I want to be, ooh, you know, happen, no, and certainly happen, dad. And, and so I've tried my best to, to be loving and to be, to, be, to be cool at the same time. And I was in the, the, the car with my, my youngest daughter, Brooke, and we're on the I-94 in Chicago and driving out to preach. And I put the radio on because I thought I'll try to look a little cool, you know, and I'm looking through the stations and I'm thinking, yeah. Maybe cool, but very dated, very, very dated song. So I thought I'd probably need to look at something else. And then I 
Oh, yeah, not cool and probably going to send her to hell. So I decided, no, we're not going to do this. And so I grabbed the, looked at another station and finally come up. Oh, Taylor Swift, bit of Tay-Tay. I know the song. So I run the windows down. I'm out the window, started singing along. Gotta love those Starbucks lovers. They'll tell you I'm insane. So I'm, I'm singing, feeling really good. You know, windows down, hair blowing in the wind. You know, I'm looking at my daughter, thinking to myself, I'm pretty fly for a white guy. You know, and so I just kept singing. Gotta love those Starbucks lovers. They'll tell you I'm insane. I got a blank space, baby. And, and I'll, I'll write, write your name. name. And and I was feeling really good. And I and I and I and I looked at my daughter, and she was looking back exactly the same way I looked at my dad when he was trying to be cool and failed. <laughs> and I what? And she goes, Dad, you know, you know that's not the words. I'm like, of course they are. You heard it just then. She definitely singing about Starbucks lovers. And she's like, no, Dad, that's, that's not the words. I'm like, yeah, obviously it is the words because I, 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 I hadn't seen the video. I just heard it in the store or something. And, and so I hadn't seen the video, but, it, but, but my own mind had created the video like a little Hallmark movie. Two young people, madly in love, down at their local Starbucks, sitting at a table with a grande, iced frappuccino, extra whip, extra caramel, two straws popping up the top, both of them drinking out of the straw of the same cup, looking lovingly into each other's eyes. And she's written his name on the blank space of the cup. <laughs> Makes sense. And she's like, no, Dad, that's not the words. You're horribly wrong. And I said, well, what, are the, what are the words? She goes, the words are, I've got a long list of ex-lovers. <laughs> I'm like, that doesn't even fit. Like, how do you fit a long list on a, on a Starbucks cup? It just won't work. Even on a Vente, the blank space is not that big. Maybe a couple, but not a long, not a long list. Like, Babe, you are wrong. I, I'm, I'm the youth communicator. I, I know what I'm talking about. I know, I'm, you know, whatever. And she's like, no, Dad, you're wrong. And so we did what every family does today when you have a dispute. We Googled it. Yeah, we Googled it. And I was wrong. I was horribly wrong. And the amazing thing about it was when I actually saw what it was and then listened to the song again, I was like, I can hear those lyrics now, even though I didn't hear them before. And it's funny, if you don't see something, you don't see it. But once you see it and you've seen it, it's like you tend to see it everywhere. Like, like, I don't know if you've ever bought a brand new car or got a new car and you got on the freeway and then all of a sudden you thought, I'm a trendsetter. Like, it seems like every second car is the exact same brand as your car. And you think, man, everyone's now copying me. No, those cars were always there. It's just that you getting that brand gave you an awareness and now you see it everywhere. Once you see it, you can't help seeing it and you see it everywhere. I'd gone out to buy my wife a new cell phone in Chicago 
and went to the Verizon store and pulled into this like strip mall, parked my car, drove in, got the phone, took me a little while as they do. And I came out when I got to my car on the front left hand wheel was a huge clamp, a bright yellow clamp. They clamped the front wheel of my car. And I looked up and there smiling in front of my car was Clamp Man. And, and I said, is that your clamp? And he said, yes, is that your car? I said, yes. I said, can you remove the clamp from the wheel of my car, please? He said, if you pay the fine. And I said, how much is the fine? He says, $140, $140. At that point, I thought, I could drive with a clamp on. <laughs> Make a bit of a fight, just turn the stereo up a little bit. Oh, the Starbucks, love. you know, just like, I could sing it out. And so, so I said to him, I said, it just seems a little unfair that you did that and there's no warning signs around here. And he said, well, sir, there is a warning sign. He said, right in front of where you parked. And this is the effort I needed to exert to see it. I'm here. That was it. No, well, I want sign. It's a sign. It's like, and it was like, do not leave this parking lot or we will clamp your tire. And I was like, well, like, like it's, it's, and, and then I looked on the wall and there was like one every 10 feet. Like once you saw it, you couldn't miss it. They were everywhere. And so I was like, well, well, yeah, I, I can see it now, but it was like recess on the wall. Why didn't you put it on these poles out here so it was a little clearer for us to see? I just think it's wrong. He said, sir, that may be correct. Maybe we should move them out. He said, but you did walk past a rather large one on your way to the Verizon store. And I turned and looked where I've just been and I'm not exaggerating. It'd be as big as that that screen there, massive big sign. Do not leave parking lot or we will clamp your tire. And a picture of a tire and a clamp and clamp man with his pitchfork and his long tail and his horns, you know, ready to go. And then all around the park and, and all of a sudden I got this revelation. Well, I, I didn't see that there before, but now I see it everywhere. You don't see it until you see it, but once you see it, you can see it anywhere. The Apostle Paul knew this principle firsthand with his encounter of Jesus. When Paul shows up on the Bible narrative, he's not a lover of the church. In fact, the Bible talks about he's breathing threats out against the church. He's persecuting the church. He's just waiting for an opportunity to, to, to see Christians, you know, persecuted, punished, tortured. He, he, he has consented to the death of one young man. And so he's not a friend or a lover of the church. And then on one of those journeys, uh, he is on his way, breathing acts of violence towards what he's going to do on the church. And halfway there on his journey, God encounters with him, knocks him off his high horse. He gets this revelation of Jesus. Jesus says to him, why are you persecuting me? And that one moment in Paul's life was a radical turnaround moment. He didn't see Jesus till he saw Jesus, but when he saw Jesus, he couldn't stop seeing Jesus. It's the principle of revelation. And then once he saw Jesus and knew Jesus, then he couldn't help himself 
but want to tell everybody else about the Savior. His life was so turned around. It's like he, the Bible says, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. It's like he tasted of God's greatness. He tasted of God's grace. He tasted of God's mercy. There's a pavlova that my wife made last night. And you should taste and see. Like once you've eaten something like that, you're like, man, I, everybody should eat that. Egg white, so it's good for you. A lot of sugar, but egg white. And so, so you, you eat, like that's a New Zealand and an Australian dessert. Once you eat that, you're like, I want everybody to taste that. This is what Paul's experience is. Taste and see that the Lord is good. God is so good. Jesus is so great. I want everybody to understand how great He is. The complexity and the magnitude of what He's been speaking about in the first 14 verses of Ephesians. So when he starts out the book of Ephesians, he starts talking about the greatness of God and the awesomeness of God and the the bigness of God and the complexity of God and the mind-blowing understanding of God. and, And verse like three to 14 is one sentence in the Greek. It's like he's writing and he just can't stop writing. He's just so overwhelmed. But when he gets to the end of that, he understands, man, the complexity of all of that, the magnitude is beyond a normal ability to understand. And that we need God to open up our eyes if we are going to appreciate everything that Jesus has done to its fullest. The first 14 verses of the letter, Paul elaborates, emphasizes uh, the eternal, extravagant plan of God. And then the following verses from verse 15, Paul then moves on to to a focus that every believer needs to know the God of that plan. So the first 14 verses, like I want you to understand the extravagant, opulent, amazing, mind-blowing plan of God. And then he switches, he says, but now I, I, I want you to know the God of that plan. I want you to know personally the God of that plan. And so he says, for this reason, because I've heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love towards all the saints. This is important to know because Paul's prayer is for the church. I I could say this about you. I know of your faith and your love for each other. So I'm I'm describing you. I'm I'm talking about people that have had an encounter with Jesus. Paul's not praying for unsaved people. Not praying for people disconnected. He's not praying for the religious people who are disconnected like he was. Like it would make sense if he was writing to the Pharisees and the Sadducees this prayer so they would see Jesus like he saw Jesus. But he's actually writing to people that have already had a God encounter. So Paul understands you may know him, but how easily it is for believers to have their encounter with Jesus diluted uh, distracted or disconnected. You can have your revelation of Jesus diluted by relying on someone else's revelation. When you are relying on what a spouse understands about God or what you get on Sunday from, from me or a connect group leader or somewhere in your life, there's some, you're, you're living your faith based on someone else's revelation. Remember when Jesus went to the disciples and said, who do men say that I am? And they all had an opinion because they talked about it. But now who do you say that I am? You can have your faith uh, diluted by not knowing Jesus yourself personally. Then he also understands that it can be distracted. 
When, when, when you get caught up in all the cool things, all the stuff of Christianity. Paul understood that uh, on, on the mountain when Jesus was transfigured and Elijah and, and Moses turned up on, on the mountain. Uh, the whole point of that was to reveal Jesus, but Peter got distracted by the other super saints that were on the mountain and God had to overshadow them so they could only see Jesus. In other words, they, they were being distracted by this awesome moment. Peter's like, this is incredible. I'm hanging out with Elijah and Moses and this, this amazing uh, uh, moment in time. Let's just stay here. Let's build tabernacles. But it was a distraction from what God was trying to do. And that can happen in church life. We live in a very, very good season of church. We've got great music and we've got great church services. And for us, we have a spectacular property and we have great people and all sorts of things that happen in church life now. Praise and worship music that's available on Spotify and we can have great God encounters at home, uh, teaching available online. All those things make the church great. But don't get lost in the stuff. Don't get lost in the things. We're here for one purpose, and that His name is Jesus. Or then you can get disconnected. You can get disconnected from Jesus that presuming everything is okay. The Bible says, like, test yourself, examine your faith, check your heart, check your mind. Where where are you at with with, with God? Because we can presume Mary and Joseph had been to a festival, they're going home, Jesus is with them, he's 12, they get about three days into the journey and they're like, where's Jesus? And and Joseph, because he would have been ahead with the men, expected Jesus to be back with Mary and Mary, she would expect Jesus to be with the men and so she expected him to be with Joseph and they presumed that they knew where he was and he wasn't in either location, he was left at the temple. And that can happen to us. We can presume our relationship with God is good. We can presume that our prayer life is good, but somewhere in there, we get focused on something else and lose the focus, which should be on Jesus. And so Paul prays for the church. He prayer for the church of Ephesus uh, is as real back then as it is the need for us Today, For this reason, because I've heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love towards all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom, revelation in the knowledge of Him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened. He says, I want the the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the Spirit. Now, that's used both the Holy Spirit and the Spirit of man. Don't really need to dissect them in this context. It's the Spirit of God working with your spirit to reveal Jesus. That the Heavenly Father sent the Holy Spirit as a comforter to help reveal Jesus to us. And so Paul's praying for the God, the Father, that he would allow the Holy Spirit to work with you, in you, and through you to reveal the majesty of Jesus. That you would get a spirit of wisdom, revelation in the knowledge of him. Now, revelation is inspiration. Revelation is God uh, letting you experience himself and his truth. It's God opening up your eyes and your spirit man to get a glimpse of the kingdom of God. 
So when you get revelation, it's like, I haven't seen it before, but all of a sudden God opens. It's a little bit like being in that parking lot. I didn't see any sign. All of a sudden I look up and I just see it everywhere. Why? Because it was revealed. Those signs were hidden because I wasn't focused, but they were always there. Revelation is God opening up your eyes to see things in the spirit. See things like, like, like sometimes you can be in church and you're just looking and you can, you can see, you can legitimately see like the glory of God coming down. Doesn't happen every week. I wish it would happen every week. But when you see it, it's like, wow. Or you can be at home in your own prayer time and see the presence of God move in to the meeting and, and into the, through the room. It's like God's always there. He's omnipresent, but sometimes he shows up. Like God's here, but it just sometimes it just gets a little thicker. I don't know how to explain that, but your eyes get that revelation of His presence. You can get a revelation of Jesus through the Word of God. You've got to read the Bible. You get a revelation of Jesus through His presence. You've got to spend time in prayer. You get a revelation of Jesus through your experience. You've got to walk with Him day by day. And you get a revelation of Jesus through worship. Taking time out, put some music on, sit back, sit in a chair, walk around. I like to lay on my face sometimes and just get into the presence of God and just talk to Him and allow Jesus to come close to you and reveal Himself to you. He said, I pray for revelation, I pray for knowledge. Knowledge is information. The information is the experience that you have with Jesus. It's that moment where you see Jesus do different things things in your life and you go, well, that was a God moment. That was a God moment. We, we all need to have that knowledge. For me, what changed my life was the knowledge that Jesus would heal. And when I was 16, I went to church with my mother, didn't believe in God, wasn't interested in God, went up on a prayer moment, not because I thought anything would happen, but I just didn't want my mum to hurt me. And so I went up on the prayer line for a prayer for a neck injury that I had in a motorcycle accident and got healed, healed instantly. Doctors hadn't been able to fix it, had been in neck brace for whole, God healed one of those moments. And now having walked with Jesus for a very, very long time now, seeing those moments where, okay, this is where God moved and this is where. And so there's a knowledge of God, knowing who He is. It's not just a concept, but it's a knowing who He is in your daily life. That then wisdom is how to apply that knowledge. Wisdom is like, I've got a lot of knowledge about how do, I, how do I apply that in my daily life? How does that change me? Bible talks about a lot in the book of Proverbs about wisdom, about revelation, about understanding, and about discernment. Uses those words. Knowledge is the information. Wisdom is how to apply it. Discernment is when to apply it. When, when, when to talk, when not to talk. We, we need that at work. We need that in our family. When you've got a revelation of Jesus and a, an understanding of Jesus and you want everybody else to understand Jesus like you understood him and, and, and I've got the revelation and, and now I've got the knowledge and the experience and I know that I know that I know that he is real, but you need the wisdom and the discernment on when to release that to other people. Because you know somebody else had tried to tell Paul about Jesus before he got his revelation. And he killed them. So having that wisdom, knowing when to apply it is important. And he says, having the eyes of your heart enlightened, illuminated. In other words, that you're asking God, God, I want you to shine your glory down on the God moments in my life. I pray every day, God, I want to know you more. 
I, I, I love the experiences that I've had, but I, 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 want, I want more of you. I want more of you in our services on Sunday. I want more of you in our prayer times. I, I want more of you in my devotional life. When I crack open the Word, I, I want to be able to read it where I'm reading it in tandem with you opening my eyes to understand it and not reading it so I can get a revelation so on Sunday I can come and preach to you. That's my challenge. I, my challenge every day is, is reading the Bible for John Morgan, not reading the Bible to tell you how to live. So I, I got to come to God and say, God, what are, you, what are you saying to me? What are you saying to me personally about that? And the eyes of your understanding being, or your heart being enlightened, it's like your mind, your will, and your emotions all of a sudden come alive. It's like God shines light on different things and you get that, aha, wow, awesome God moment. We live by faith, but man, it's awesome when you have those experiences. Anybody know what I'm talking about? How many people enjoy the experience of Jesus? And so he's praying, God, I want you to illuminate the hugeness of who you are to people. I, 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 want, you to, I want you to shine a light on the monstrous faith things that you want to do in the heart of your people. Verse 18, he says, that you may know. So he's talking to people who already know. They know Jesus. But he said that, that you may know. So he said, I know you know, but... There's some things you don't know. And the reality is when you don't know, you don't know, you don't know. Like that most of us don't know what we don't know. And we don't know it. We know what we know, but it's hard to know what you don't know. He said, so I, I know there's a whole heap you don't know, and I want you to know what you don't know. So I'm praying that you will know what you don't know, and you'll be able to know that you didn't know it, and say, I didn't know that before, but now I know it. And now I know it. I know God in a whole new realm. He said, this is my experience. I didn't know, and then I knew, and I didn't know that I didn't knew, but when I knew and I know, now I want everybody else to know him like I know him. And here's what he wants you to know. <laughs> he says that you may have what is the hope to which he has called you. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? And what is the immeasurable greatness of the power toward us who believe according to the working of his great might? Paul's language here, his prayer is extensive because the knowledge of Jesus is inexhaustible. You, you, you can't ever run out of knowing him. And Paul's trying to paint a picture here. He says, this is what I want you, I want you to know. I want you to know. I want you to know the bigness of God. And not just to know the bigness of God, but I want you to know the bigness of God towards you. I want you to know what God's doing in your life. I want you to know how he wants to work in you. I understand this prayer because it's been a prayer of my heart recently for the church. I become just aware of the general consensus in Christianity that we just sort of like float through life. And you'll hear people say, I can't do anything. God's got to do everything. I, I, I'm a nothing. I'm a nobody. 
God can't use me. Uh, we just, all we should do in life is pray, worship, read our Bible. That's it. Not dream, not build businesses, not be creators, not be business starters, not, not be billionaires. And we've left the advancement of technology and the advancement of life to unsaved people where you have the creator inside of you. And it's not because we don't have the ability, it's because we don't have the expectation. And we don't have the expectation because we've taught in church, all you do is you show up on Sunday, do an hour and a half, read your Bible a little bit, and that's all that life is, and just float through life. And when you die, you go to heaven and you gold streets. But God, Jesus said, I came to give you life. And I came to give you life more abundantly. I didn't come so you could exist and just get saved and just wait until you die and go to heaven. If God's plan was just to get us to get saved and go to heaven, we'd stand on an altar call, we'd pray a prayer of salvation, and He would kill us. It would save a lot of work. And it would save any doubt of not getting there. So Paul's praying. He says, I, I, I want you to know the hope of his calling towards you. I want you to know the riches of the glory of his inheritance towards you. I want you to understand his exceeding greatness of his power towards you. Now, it's interesting to me that Paul's prayer, he's praying here, is not like God make them more holy. God help them not do wrong. God protect them from sinning. God, guard over what they watch. Guard over what they listen to, who, who they hang out with. God, make them more holy. Make them more right. No, he says, I, I, I want you, God, to open up their eyes to give them a revelation of your greatness. Because once you see Him and you see yourself in a reflection of Him, you realize how far away you are from God. Now, you're walking around thinking you're all that in a bag of chips as far as a Christian's concerned. And you look, can look down on everybody else and how bad they are and how good you are. It's because you probably haven't seen a reflection of you in Jesus yet. Because when you understand all of this, you can understand how far away you are from Him. And when you get a revelation of how big God is, then you can look at yourself and say, God, am I really living out my full potential of what you've called me to be? Am I really gonna hear on that day, well done, good and faithful servant? Because I was good and faithful to serve all the things and the potential that you put in me. Or did I become a Christian and just coast? What, what can God use you to do today? Who can you minister to? Who can you pray for? Who can you employ? Who can you give generously to? Who can you support? What invention is in you? What business is in you? What opportunity is in you? What missions project is in you? What nation is in you? We have a desire to be an apostolic center and rather than just sending money to missionaries, we're gonna send money to missionaries, but rather than just doing that, we wanna send missionaries out. We wanna plant churches around the world. We wanna plant churches in our city. We wanna plant churches in our nation. In the fall, we're starting our Bible college and our internship program so we can gather young men and young women and men and women of all ages to raise them up who want to plant churches, who want to go on the mission field, who want to see God do We want you to dream again today. Paul's prayer is God, open up the church's eyes to dream and believe for great things again. 
I, I think if there was, a, if there was a, a moment in time that we need it, we need it right now. We understand a revelation of Jesus and it's just based on somebody else's revelation. Then your behavior is going to be based on their behavior. And that sort of happens when we get saved. When you first respond to Christ and you come to church and you start to watch other people in the building and like, okay, well, they don't smoke and they don't drink. And we usually stop doing all the obvious things that are destructive in your life. But then the more you go on, God finds tunes that. But if you don't have a revelation of him, it's just a revelation of somebody else. If you hang around with people that gossip, then you're going to think it's okay to gossip. If you hang around with people that are critical of everything, then you're going to hang around with, you're going to be critical. But when you see yourself in a reflection of him, then all of a sudden you're like, ooh, maybe I should be different. When, when, when your revelation is based on cool things, then you only ever come to church when it's convenient. When your revelation of Jesus is based on presumption, then at some point your relationship with him will become stagnant. So Paul prays, God, I want you for your church. Oh, no, I know they've seen you, but God, I, I want them to see you in an unfolding, increasing, immeasurable, mind-blowing comprehension of God's goodness. And that's my prayer as your pastor today. I want God to open up your eyes so you can just start to see the wonderful, magnificent, incredible, large, omnipresent, omniscient God that we have. He's a God of signs and wonders. And I believe that we're going to be moving into a great move of his spirit. And we need to tuck into that. The psalmist declared, open my eyes. Job declared, I had heard of you by the hearing of my ear, but now my eyes see you. Isaiah declared, in the year that Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. And every time they saw the Lord, it changed them personally. Job said, I've heard of you by the hearing of my ear, but now my eye sees you. Therefore, I despise myself and I repent in dust and ashes. When Isaiah saw himself, in the presence of the Lord, he said, I'm a man of unclean lips. When Paul saw himself in the presence of Jesus, he said, I'm a persecutor of the church. I need to change. We need to see him so we see a reflection of us. Russell, you can come. We're going to pray. Some years ago, one of my first trips to America, I was in Houston, Texas. We'd been out all the day before, and I was a little bit jet-lagged, flown from New Zealand, and so I preached for a church that weekend, and, and so the, the pastor wanted to take us to a mall, and we went to the Galleria. I'm not sure if you've ever had an experience at the Galleria. But the Galleria is an expensive mall, and everything in there is like designer, and, and I call it a mall because that sounds too common. It's the Galleria. And so I, I'd, I'd slept in and just threw a shirt on and, and uh, gone out with my friends shopping. What I noticed that pretty much every store I went into, the, the people would look at me and they would just size me up and down and think, he's not going to buy anything. This guy's broke. And I've got to be honest with you, I was a little bit agitated. You don't know. You could be the millionaire next door. You don't know. Now, true, I didn't have any money, but that's irrelevant. The fact that they were correct is irrelevant to how I felt. And so, and then I finally, I, you know, and I went, I went to, 
and they just talk to you bad. I went into one store and I said, hey, mate, how much is that Visaki tie? <laughs> and he said, it's not Visaki, it's Versace. <laughs> so that's not Gucky and that's not Prey That's They're not the brand. He's like, just looked at me like, like my daughter did when I got the song wrong. And uh, so I walked out of that store mainly because the tie was like, there was a tie, I wanted to buy a tie, a tie, one tie was $250. This is in the 90s. This is before inflation. $250, I don't think at that point I owned a suit at $250, $250 for a tie. I said, I just want a tie, I don't want shares in the company, just, it's an expensive tie. Anyway, we finally went into a, a store where I could probably afford it. And uh, I saw some shirts that I liked and, and, I, and I took them into the, to the change room and I hung the shirts up and I, and I stood and I looked at myself in the mirror and then I had a revelation. I threw the shirt on at the last minute because I slept in and was in a hurry to get out with my friends and didn't check it. And I could see that the day before when I'd spilt my coffee, on my shirt that it hadn't miraculously disappeared overnight and I had this horrible coffee stain all the way down my shirt and you could see it was a coffee stain no, no one's going to look at that like oh wow he's cool he's into tie dyeing his mum's gifted now you could see this guy threw a dirty shirt on with coffee all over it. And I realized why I was getting such bad response from everybody else because it just looked, it looked awful, but I didn't know it. But when I saw my reflection, all of a sudden I was like, oh, I didn't see that before. But now I saw it. And obviously I bought a different shirt and threw that one away. But, but that's what Paul's praying about here. He's like, if you see him and you experience him, Real life change happens, not by rules and regulations and, and laws, but real life change happens when you stand in His presence and you see bits of yourself that don't measure up to the glory of Jesus. And you're like, I don't want to be like that anymore. You get into the presence of Jesus and you feel His peace and you realize, I'm an angry person. I can go from zero to 60 in anger really quickly. I have an anger issue. When you see yourself in that moment, then you're like, God, I, I, I don't want to be like that anymore. Change me from the inside out. It's not like I don't get angry anymore because I'm not allowed to. I'm a Christian. It's like I don't do that because I don't want to do that because it's not Christ-like. Same with all sorts of things. Gossip, rumor, judgment, uh, Lying, all those things. All the, we all have different issues that we're dealing with. And you may not even see it's there. You may not even know. Everybody else may know. Most people know our short, the blind spots in our life. But we don't see them because they are blind spots. But when you get into His presence and you get a revelation of who He is, the girls can come. We're going to sing in just a second. When you get a revelation of who He is, and you see yourself in that reflection and the magnitude of what God wants to do in you, the magnitude of who He wants you to be. 
Some of you have lived a very long part of your life lower than the potential of what you really are, lower than the possibility, just because your expectation wasn't high. But when you get into His presence and you get a revelation of how big He is and how big He is in you, what He can do in you, then everything else changes. Everything else changes. Everything else changes. Can we stand? Yeah, let's give Jesus a great round of applause right now. Will you worship with us? We have a few minutes before church is over. Will you worship with us? Come on, let's sing together this morning. Open your hearts to Jesus. Come on, God, move by your power today. Let's lift our voices to heaven. Come on, declare it. sing this song a couple more times before we leave today. We're, we're not at our finish time yet. We've still got a few minutes to go. But I wanted to open up this area for people that are, maybe number one, you're like, God, I've just been existing on someone else's revelation. I just presumed everything was good. But you know what? I really haven't had an encounter with you for a very long time personally. And I need to know you for me personally. And if that's you, in a moment when we start to sing, I'm going to invite you to come and just stand down the front and just worship. Just worship God, ask Him to open up your eyes. But as we're singing that then, I felt like uh, that God wanted to minister to people here today that you struggle with feeling very inadequate. And how I'm going to dialogue this is going to make sense to you. You struggle with feeling very inadequate. You don't measure up. You're nothing. In fact, somebody here today, that was drilled into you when you were small. I can hear like parental voices yelling at you. You're no good. You'll never make it. You won't do anything. You're a mistake. We don't love you. Like, like speaking stuff like that into your life. And it's made you grow up with this feeling of inadequacy where you don't measure up. You're always trying to fit in. And my prayer for you today is that God would open up your eyes to understand His love, His grace. Not only do you fit into the church that God's called you to be a part of this family, that you matter, that you count, that you're not a nobody, you're not a nothing. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. God loves you. He has planned for your life. He wants to use you. And He wants to break that inadequacy off you today. And if you could get a revelation of His greatness towards you, 
You could get a revelation of His greatness towards you. You could dream to do things that you never thought that you could you could do. There are people here you thought, man, I am never going to be a great father because I had a bad father. But you get into the presence of God and you see our good father, our godly father. You go, I can, I can be like that. I can, I can love like that. I can give like that. I can serve. Well, you see Him. Everything else radically changes. If there's any area of inadequacy or lack in your life and you say, God, I struggle in this area. I need you to show me who you are in my life, in that area. Give me a revelation so I can live to the fullness of what you've called me to do. If that's your prayer today, if you want to know Him more, why don't you get out of your seat as we sing this song and come and dance, stand down the front with us today and worship and allow the glory of God to come into this house right now.